Welcome to the Flag Stays Down podcast. Uh, I'm Andy, joined as always by Parker and Matt. Following a 1-1, disappointing, what feels like loss uh, against Manchester United. But it was Thanksgiving weekend here in the States. Boys, how did you enjoy, uh, enjoy your Thanksgiving weekend? Got to spend it with some family, a uh, couple drinks, good food, and uh, yeah, it was a nice overall relaxing weekend. How about you, Matt? Yeah, it was good. Um, you know, kind of kind of same, kind of echo uh, Parker's thoughts. Uh, got to spend time with uh, with my family, my fiance's family. Um, got to enjoy a Packer game uh, yesterday as well. Um, so we we at least got got the victory there. Um, so that's a, that's definitely a, a good end to the weekend. Um, but yeah, overall good. Can't complain. Collins. Yeah, it was good. It was, a, you know, I think it's kind of an upper Midwest thing. Well, maybe not, I don't know, but, uh, all the breweries in Milwaukee released new beers, uh, Black Friday. So that was a nice special treat. Uh, so that's actually what I am uh, working on tonight is good city audacity 2021. Nice barrel aged quad in uh, rum and pork barrels. Here's the first taste. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> you guys can't see Andy's face, but uh, oh, looks like a, uh, a hefty sip. It's uh, boozy. <laughs> I <Perfect>. like it. <laughs> you guys working on anything? Yeah, I got the last of my uh, Iowa number nine. So just, uh, just a little guy tonight uh, trying to be relatively good so I can wake up in the morning and get a decent workout in before my, uh, my marathon of work continues. So what's your Matthew? Um, I am working on one of my favorites for this time of year. Um, it, it, it's, it's a beer, which is going to be a, a switch up from usual, but, um, it is the Lyman Kugel's Snowdrift vanilla Porter. It, it's, I, it's something that I look forward to every year. Um, I'm personally not a huge fan of a lot of Limey's beers, um, per se with, you know, the amount of beer that we have here in Wisconsin and craft beers and things like that. But Snowdrift Vanilla Porter is something near and dear to the heart. So I am enjoying one of these tonight. And we, we, we definitely need it, you know, as, as mentioned, one, one draw, uh, on Sunday, you know, it, it seemed for a long time that Chelsea were going to dominate that match. They certainly did. Uh, just had some problems finishing. So it does finish 1-1. Uh, first goal of the match came in the 50th, courtesy of a Jorginho mistake. Uh, Jaden Sancho scores a two-on-one uh, against Mendy. And then in the 69th minute, Thiago Silva is brought down in the box on a corner, uh, leading to a penalty, a rare decision for Chelsea via Anthony Taylor. Uh, Jorginho convert, converts to redeem himself. And uh, we end with uh, a point apiece. I, I, again, I, I mentioned how I felt. It felt like a loss to me. How, how do you guys feel? It, so I, I personally just watched the game uh, a couple hours ago. Um, so it's still kind of fresh in my mind. Haven't had a ton of time to process like, like you guys. Um, I feel like we were hard done by, by a 1-1 draw. Um, first half just absolutely dominated possession, dominated chances. Um, it, it, it's something that, that we've talked about before where, you know, even if we go back to the Juve game, right, when 4-0, probably should have been 7 or 8. Like, uh, it, it just seems that we're at a point 
that we were at last year where we're just not converting the chances that we should be, or at least giving ourselves a legitimate chance at them. Um, it, 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 you know, we, we had talked about, you know, is it sustainable not having Rom, Timo, and just having our midfield and basically our, our wingbacks and center backs score all the goals. I said it wasn't sustainable. And I, I think even having them back, I don't, I, I, I still think that I hold true to that. It, it, we need more productivity from the front three or four, depending on who's in midfield and who's running up. Um, it just seems like, like we're lacking up there for whatever reason. Granted, Timo and Rom, they just came back. Um, they're kind of getting themselves into the fold. Christian is, isn't probably still isn't up to full match fitness yet. Mount, um, you know, he's kind of been been a little bit on and off trying to get himself back as well. But you know, I, I, you know, we, we just need more up front. And I think that this was a perfect example of that um, with a lot of missed opportunities. I think we really do miss a, a fully fit and uh, firing on all cylinders, Mason Mount. I think he's just such a difference maker. And you know, before the podcast started, I was talking with Andy and we were just saying that we thought the subs came a little bit too late in the match where they just didn't have uh, enough time to, to really put their stamp on it um, because we thought it was positive when they came on. And so there was a, a lull in the second half that was definitely felt and we just need some more, a little bit more creativity there, but you know, I, I thought we created a lot of chances. They just didn't put them home um, from really one of the opening attacks where uh, Hudson Adoy was, was one-on-one with De Gea. De Gea makes a great save. And then uh, the striker Rudy hit that uh, was actually on target this time and, and De Gea gets a fingertip to it. So, um, you know, if one of those breaks our way, it, it, it's a lot different. And uh, I just thought that we, we did create a lot. It was tough to see going into halftime uh, the zero zero scoreline. And then obviously after the air, it definitely hurts. And you, you start to think of draws is a win at that point when you go down, uh, give me man United credit. I thought they defended pretty well. Um, Collins, I'll steal your point, but they, they forced Hakim Ziyech onto his right a lot and, uh, they kind of closed him down a, a good bit. Uh, I just, I, I, I miss that, that critical clinical critical finish at the end. Um, that, that's where I just thought we were a bit lacking in our, in our approach. And I wish, I wish Rom had a solid 20 minutes to, to put his stamp on the game. Yeah. And I, I thought this was one of the, the few matches where Tuchel was out Tuchel. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's especially tough that it's Manchester United, a team that we are now winless in again, you know, in seven tries. But then you have Michael Carrick managing on the other side in his first match as manager, interim manager. And I, I thought he, he had much better tactics than Tuchel did. I, I didn't understand the front three that, that we lined up with. Uh, you, you know, we've talked a little bit already about the, the lack of finishing. But Timo, historically, for Chelsea, has not been able to finish. Ziyech can't finish unless he's on his left. And hudson Adoy is young and still not a clinical finisher. Though you know, he, he has looked bright and certainly did look bright in this match. And then on, on top of that, you've got three center backs who love to push up into the attack, which led to Jorginho being the only man at the back, which led to the goal that we, sur- that 
goal that we gave up. I, I add that onto the onto the fact that we didn't substitute until the, I believe it was the seventy sixth minute. Yeah, seventy eight, I think. And and Rom didn't come on until after the eightieth minute. I, I thought we got we got out coached in this one. I, I thought Man U came came with a much better plan than than we did. But I, I do want to touch more on that lack of finishing. We've all kind of brought it up uh, in our thoughts on the match. Would would someone like Rom or Pulisic? have changed this match had they started? I, I, I personally think so. Um, you know, Timo's just getting back. He made, he made his appearance against Juve, got a goal, which, I mean, I think all three of us can agree any goal for Timo. Like, it's going to help build his confidence, hopefully turn him back into the player that he was at Leipzig. Um, I, it... It, it's tough because you have you have a struggling Man United team, and they're not doing great. They need Ronaldo to save them in what seems like every single match, um, and they're not really producing a lot without him. Um, so I, I'm I'm not so much I, I'm not too concerned about about the starting starting front three. Um, obviously, I think we need. Cho up there. Yeah, he's he's proved his place um in the starting eleven so far. Um Timo still has some work to do. Um you know and I mean we're we're gonna touch on this but Ziek it, it's it's your classic case of Jekyll and Hyde. It, you you don't know which one you're gonna get um for for a good amount of matches. So um I wasn't disappointed in it but i think that we could have gone out a little bit stronger than than what we did i thought christian would have made a big difference uh had he started uh i would have liked to see him in the false nine role uh or or rob i don't know what his like match fitness is if he could if he would be able to play 90 yet and that may have impacted Tuchel's decision on whether to start him or not but uh to answer your question man i I think they would have been, I think it would have changed the game in a, in a very positive way for us had either of them been able to start as our striker to uh, really finish off some of the chances that we had early on. Yeah, and I, I understand Timo getting the start here. You know, he, as Matt had mentioned, he did score midweek against Juve. And certainly, you know, when you have a striker who's scoring goals, you want to play the hot hand. But in a big match, and for much as much as Man U is struggling, this was a big match. This was the Sunday night football of the Premier League. Uh, you know, it would have been nice to have Rom, especially in a game against a team that he said that he's on record saying that he did not enjoy playing for. A team that I'm sure he would have loved to score against. I, I think Rom would have had that that ferocity. And Graham Lasso said it on the on the NBC call. Uh, you know, he said if you're going to put. Uh, Lukaku on the bench and you know, list him in your starting 18. He has to be match fit. Why, like, why not start him? Why not put him in in the 60th? Why not put him in the 50th? Especially when you need that goal right after Jaden Sancho scores. I, I think the the overall lack of finishing in that front three was was very much exposed. And I think, unfortunately, it's something that we only have one guy really on the team, maybe two if you count Pulisic, who can make a difference in that. Uh, it would have been nice to see one of the two of them make a start. 
but in terms of those subs, is there any justification for for those coming so late? Like Man U, they weren't dominating anything. They really weren't. So I don't think there was really after we after we drew back from one one or from from one nil. I I didn't see a, a real need to switch up a lot of things because if you think about the first half, we created chances against them. Like we were doing whatever we wanted. Um, so I, I think that that played a role in it because we were still, you know, dominating possession, things like that. Um, and after, after you get that, that pullback to one, one, the boys have a lot more energy. They're amped up. You have Stanford bridge behind them. I think that it would have been a knee jerk reaction to make a change at that particular point. Um, so I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with, with it being a little bit later, but I do think that it was too much too late. Um, I think you could have maybe made, made the subs five minutes earlier, um, and just kind of gone that route. But, you know, after you, you score the goal to equalize and you have everybody amped up, they get that little bit of adrenaline in them, then everything picks up more. Um, I, I think, I think it made sense to, to keep everybody on the pitch at the time, but I, I would say maybe five minutes earlier and it would have had a, probably a, a better impact than, than what we actually saw play out. Matt, you make a good point because uh, especially the first 45, we played that first 45 perfectly without scoring at all. Uh, in my opinion, it, it was as good of a half as you can expect from the boys in terms of control and possession and really being able to do whatever we wanted to them there, Man United didn't do anything to us. I don't even know how many attempts they had in that first half. I can't really think of anything that comes to mind. So without a fluky defensive, you know, mishap or just a, a mistouch really from Jorginho, what did Man United do to us that would have caused us to, to believe our plan wasn't working? Not much. I really don't think they did much to us. Um, there was a bit of a, a spell. I thought the, the commentators on NBC uh, made it out to be a little bit bigger than it actually was. I thought they kind of overblown it. And they really were talking about how positive they had become. And I was thinking to myself, well, yeah, compared to nothing in the first half, sure, they're, they're doing something. But Christ, I mean, anyone can do something for, for a quick 10-minute spell or something. It just... I never really felt in danger. Uh, I felt a little bit of pressure mounting on us, uh, you know, towards the 78th, 80th minute in there. Uh, Collins had a very funny text in the, in the group chat that just said that the writers of this game want Ronaldo to score the winner uh, late on, which it kind of felt like it was, it was getting scripted up to be. But uh, no, I just didn't feel a danger with it. Uh, I thought we were much more positive. I thought we were much more creative. And I thought we did, did more to win the game, which is why, this feels like a loss from a fan's perspective. Um, I think Man United leaves there uh, away happy uh, with a point, and I think we're disappointed in our efforts because we only get a point, and we we were the team that dropped the points. And they, I mean, did, Parker, you, you make a, a good point there. Uh, you know, it, it is a point. Manchester United certainly celebrate that point. Uh, fan base, not just us, seems to, to treat this as a loss, uh, me included. Uh, but then you look back at what our last three games were, you know, we had 
we had gone into the international break thinking this is a tough three games, Leicester, Ube, Manchester United. Had I told you that we were going to come out of the, out of that stretch with seven points, would you have been happy? I, I, I think it's definitely. Yeah. It, it, I mean, find anybody else with that kind of schedule. Yeah. Like, like, who else has, has that kind of schedule right after an international break? And you're asked to do all of that. And especially in what almost felt like a must-win game against Juve, and then you come out and just go 4 nil. Like it, it to me, I would have been I would have been happy with five. I think that would have been that would have been a pretty good over-under bet of of five. Um, but yeah, to to say that we would get seven. I'm I'm more more than happy to take that. And the, the good news is we're still top of the table. Uh, you know we've got the one point lead, uh, and we you know you, you talk about how tough the schedule is. Now we have a little bit of a drop off. We have Watford, West Ham's gonna be a tough one. Uh, then you got Zenit, Leeds, Everton, Wolves, Brentford. So certainly winnable games. So l- luckily you know we're on the the lower end of the schedule here now. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go off the script real quick. Um, how do we feel about those games, especially in December, where we have had a historically rough go in December? Um, you know, granted on paper, yeah, that those should be easy points, but you know, with us being in Champions League and you know playing all all these matches and things like that, and with you know, now we're finally relatively healthy. Um, that helps, but do we think that this is more of uh, we should just coast by, or do we think this is something that could worry us as a chance to drop points while other teams might gain on us? I think most definitely it's going to be a grind, Matt. It's uh, it, it's a brutal kind of a grueling schedule, and. Uh, and yeah, when we play Leeds, you know, Leeds takes it as their their chance to upset one of the big guys, right? They're coming in, guns blazing, fully rested, and every everyone ready to to fire on all cylinders. And we're coming off of matches that we played midweek, and that's gonna be that's gonna be the case for the foreseeable future. It's gonna be the case all throughout December into January and beyond. So uh, it's something that we're gonna have to get used to. Uh, on the plus side. I don't think people are going to be complaining about minutes because I think there's going to be enough minutes to go around. I think you're going to see more Malang Sard playing time. I think you're going to see Andreas Christensen, who, who hasn't featured in those three games, I believe, that you mentioned off since the international break. I don't think I've seen Christensen out there. I think you're going to see him more often. And just some rotations uh, in our squad. Uh, hopefully even see some younger guys come up and uh, you know have some cameo appearing, appearances. So... It's going to be a grind. I, I think we have to be somewhat realistic with the expectations, um, considering a historic uh, sort of tendency to drop points at this time of the year. But you see it across the league. And, um, you know, a couple of pods ago, we, we joked about the, the league isn't won or lost in necessarily the matches against Manchester United or the matches against Manchester City or, or Liverpool it's these stretches where you can really string together three, four or five wins or, or, you know, toughly considered draws and uh, together and and to really 
put the pressure on your opponents uh, just from consistent performances from the team. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I fully answered your question, Matt, but I, I think I think grueling and and measured expectations. Um, I don't think we coast, but I think we 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 keep the pressure on and and we rotate heavily to to try to field an eleven that that really can, uh, you know, still be expected to win. I guess. Collins, what do you think? I think that it should be easy points this month. Historically, I would not have said so. Uh, you know, you, you heard the stories of Frank not really having a system, and it was kind of just free flow for the players, and they didn't really understand how to play. Mauricio Sarri was very set in his ways. He was very stagnant. Uh, Antonio, Antonio Conte, while revolutionary with the three at the back, was also very stagnant in, in his approach. And you go back and back and back and back, and you, you can find all these flaws with managers, including Jose Mourinho being stuck on who he's playing uh, week in and week out. We have a manager now who is willing to adjust tactics. So I, I think Tuchel will adjust. He will rotate the players. Uh, I think the, the month that's going to burn us here is going to be February when you have the Club World Cup, the FA Cup. Uh, Champions League will be restarting at that point. I think that's where we're going to run into trouble. And I'm already mentally coping with the fact that we're probably going to take third in the league because of the of schedule congestion. Uh, but I think this month, hopefully, knocking on wood right now, should not be an issue. But, Parker, you, you did touch on something here uh, with you know points against Man U, points against Liverpool. We have a combined two points from City, Liverpool, and United. If you want to throw Arsenal in there as a top four, which not many people do, I guess, maybe, then maybe you could say five out of those four matches. But if you look at those three combined, the, the three teams that are usually at the top of the league, three teams that we're going to be battling for for the top of the league if Man United resurge here, is two points against those a bad sign? I don't, I don't think so. And the only reason, like, why I say that is because with the exception of City, they didn't gain any ground, right? They, they still – we took our point, they took their point. So it's not like – it's not like we went 0 for 3 against them because that would be a big hit. Um, you know, the, the City game, you know, how Gabriel Jesus even got that ball through it was – a miracle in itself, but, um, you know, and then you, you have 10 men against Liverpool, you hold down the four, you get that point out of there. The United game. Yeah. We should have been three, but we at least got one. They didn't gain any ground on us. Um, and you know, we've seen, especially this year, um, and even last year, like the big teams can fall. And we, we've seen it. And a lot of times it's in December and January where a lot of the big teams slip up points and we're obviously not above that. Um, so I think it's going to be a, a trying time for, for those three teams. Because if I remember correctly, City and Liverpool also advanced. So it, they're going to be looking at uh, – a similar schedule, not as hectic as ours, but similar. Um, I haven't looked at at their their run of who they're playing in the Premier League in December, but you know it. They're in the same boat 
they can easily drop points um, during this, this stretch in December. And, you know, I don't think anybody's out of the woods yet. So I'm, I'm content with, with taking two points out of the, out of the, out of those three, those three fixtures. For me, it's, it's so interesting because all three games are different stories, uh, different results, you know, similar results, different stories. The, the Liverpool one was like a win because of the circumstances. I think we all were pretty pleased with that one. Um, it's funny because, you know, that, that draw felt like a win and then the draw against United feels like a loss. So uh, I was disappointed with the United you know, result. The City one, you know, it happens. It's our only loss this year. City's a top quality team. So um, most, most teams are going to take a, a hit, one or two hits. And, you know, you just bring up the top four and, and City's, drawn twice and lost twice. So they're definitely not invincible. And, and Liverpool is drawn four times and lost once. So uh, also not invincible. And, you know, I just look at those guys as um, pace setters as well. And, and we're still a point ahead and we're still uh, in the commanding seat. And I think they're chasing us still. So uh, while it could be looked at as alarming on paper, Collins, I am not alarmed. Well, you guys have a lot more faith than, than I do, and I appreciate that. Uh, the, the the two points scares me, but then you know, I feel like we've been talking about this uh, kind of on and off here, but it's it's about playing the long game. So, you know, we got return fixtures against all three. Could come away with nine points, come, could come away with six points. That would be be beneficial. So, again, I, I appreciate you guys' positivity. How many maximum – what's the maximum amount of points you can get from City, Liverpool, and United in a season? 18. How many points does it take to win the league? Roughly. 88. Exactly. Touche. Exactly. It's a maximum of 18 points, one or lost in those games, and you're going to need high 80s, low 90s to, to win the league. It is, uh, it is a war of attrition. It is a grind. You play 38 matches, 19 home, 19 away. You got to take care of of 15 and down and you got to take care of business. All right. Well, you want, let's, let's turn our attention here to, to some individual performances. Uh, we, we did touch on this one earlier and it seems to be the one that is dividing the fan base pretty, pretty extremely here. There's, there's no real middle ground. Hakeem Ziyech seemed to seem to be a, a very good attacking piece, but Parker, as you mentioned, stealing my thunder, that man, you seem to force him onto his right foot the whole bunch, which obviously is not his strong foot. Uh, you know, what, what do you guys make of Hakeem Ziyech's performance? Matt, what do you think? I'm torn in so many different directions. Um, his, his work rate has gone through the roof, which I love. Um, you know, he the way that especially in the first half, the way that he was closing in and he was on that high press, I loved it. I love seeing that work rate out of him. It's not something that we've seen out of him before, at least to this level. Um, I love seeing it. The only problem with that is he makes just needless challenges. Um, he just goes in guns ablaze and just, keeps lunging feet and drawing fouls when he really doesn't need to. 
So I, I think from that standpoint, if he can control the things that he dives in for um, and things like that, I think that'll make him much better. On the offensive side of the ball, on the attacking side, uh, he he tries to do too much. He really does. I can't tell you how many times he got stripped in possession trying to do like a step over or like a cutback or trying to do like a trying to do something where he didn't need to. He was just trying to do too much. Like just make your pass, make your cross, make your run. I, I think he's overcomplicating things on the attacking side of the ball. Um, and when he does get a, a half decent look, he's firing into into a defender. Um, I, I just, I, I think I need more from him on that side, but to, to go against that, he's making runs. He's looking dangerous in the attacking side, which before we just knew him kind of as a, kind of as a, you know, I think he's Moroccan um, as like a Moroccan, you know, iron Robin, like he's going to go to his left. Everybody knows that. And I think we're seeing a little bit more of a dynamic nature out of him, which I like. He's not just trying to go straight one-on-one. Um, he is trying to link up play a little bit more, um, but it's when he does get into those 1v1 or 1v2 positions where I think he's just trying to do too much and then we end up losing possession. So I, I, I see good things, um, but I do think that there are other things that need to be shirt up um from his side i would say to sum it up less thinking on the attacking side and more thinking on the defensive side <laughs> i have never seen someone you know be more praised and then shit on all at the same time via, via chelsea twitter Collins, you're straight you're, you're spot on because Everyone, no one can make up their mind about him. And I think everyone kind of looks at one match and, and reacts to one match. I, I too, like you, Matt, am incredibly split on his, on, on how I feel about him as a player. I, I can't figure him out hundred percent. And my, my feelings kind of do, you know, fluctuate a bit. Uh, the one thing though, I will just echo is, is his work rate's gone up a lot. And it's something we kind of critiqued him on early in the season. And he's definitely improved. Collins, you laughed because uh, he's, he's 29 or 28 and we didn't think he would be able to change the kind of the way he played. And you, it was kind of a, you get what you get situation. And uh, I think he's changed. I think he's definitely been more uh, active. I see him going to the ball more. I think he tries to get on the ball more often and then make runs that are, are dangerous and he's, you know, being found in those runs. Um, I think he's kind of plagued with uh, trying to make the perfect, FIFA pass a lot of the times and just the, the wonder assist or the wonder goal for that matter. And I, I wish he did simplify things uh, a lot more uh, because of that. And so, so we just don't see the results, you know, we, we touched on it earlier. We need to be more clinical. And I think we would have the ability to be more clinical if we made some of the easier passes in some of those more advanced positions where we would at least be able to get a shot on goal um, versus uh, a shot getting blocked. Um, it's him and Timo, man, that, that just have more shots blocked. And I don't think United is that great of a defensive team to, to block 11 or 12 shots in a match, but 
man, do we have a lot of shots blocked. You know, it just, it's so frustrating and I just don't know, I can't put my finger on why that is all the time. Um, my gut tells me it's because we're a bit too predictable. Um, like you said, Matt, it's, it's kind of that left foot syndrome and we're becoming a bit one dimensional and, and defenders are figuring us out a little bit. And if we, you know, simplified things and just kind of made the right pass and not the perfect pass, then we could put ourselves in a little bit more, um, put ourselves in better chances to score goals. But uh, I, uh, I have to admit my feelings go up and down for the man. Um, overall, I'm still trending positive, but I, uh, I, I, can, I, can, I can hear and see why people critique him because we're Chelsea and I think we, we hold ourselves to a different standard. So I see, I can see why some of the fan base is turning on him, um, but I think our fan base turns on people a little too quick. So um, we got Matt. So one, one thing that I wanted to throw in, Parker, what you were saying about being too predictable kind of sparked this. It, it, it goes to Tuchel. He has tried him on the left. He's not just somebody who is going to constantly be on the right. He has tried to move him around and make him go to the left when he was paired up. I think in the, the first meeting against Juve, it was Ziyech and then Alonso on the left. So he's, he's definitely tried to, you know, kind of find a, a different spot for him or try to utilize, you know, his abilities. We know he's got a great left foot. I think Tugel's trying to, trying to find maybe a different way to, to utilize him. Um, and I, I think that we can all agree his best spot is probably on the right just to come in for that. But then again, Parker, to your point, that makes him very one-dimensional, that left foot syndrome. Everybody knows he's going to cross over like Robin did, like uh, Mares does now. Um, you know, he it, it just, it, it's somebody that you know he, he wants to go to his left, so you push him right. So maybe do you, do you try him out a little bit more on the left and then do you bring maybe – have Timo or Mount on the right or something like that. So, uh, I mean, give credit to Tuchel. He's trying to, to find a, a creative way to, to use him in, in a bunch of different spaces. So he's trying to branch him out a little bit more than I think um, was his role at Ajax. Um, so I, I do like that about him and the fact that he's able and willing to do all those things. I think that speaks volumes to him from when he came over from Ajax to kind of where he is now. He's, I think, growing into a role where he understands that Tugel is trying to find a, a spot for him to succeed and not necessarily set him up for failure. And with, with Ziyech, I think a lot of people forget that he had a pretty crushing shoulder injury in the first match of the season against Villarreal. I know soccer isn't played with your shoulder, football isn't played with your shoulder. But at the same time, are you going to go running? Gosh, I, I can't even remember how many kilometers they showed was the average in this match, like per player. Ziyech played the full 90. Uh, and, you know, you do that week in and week out. That's tough to do with, with damage to your shoulder. Uh, I think he is finally coming healed the last couple of weeks. You know, I've been saying it for, gosh, probably the last four or five pods. He's been our most dangerous attacking player. So, you know, in, in terms of putting him out on the left to bring Mace in, Mace has been out of form for a long time. 
Ziek has been very creative. Ziek has been, again, even though he's predictable, he's probably had, I don't know, maybe second or third most shots on the team in that span. Uh, he's creating. And I was joking with you guys during the match. You know, he, he was, Matt, as you said, pressing finally. It looked like he was on the Jamie Vardy pregame ritual of drinking four or five Red Bulls, eating a bag of chips, and then just sprinting out there. So I'm I'm very impressed with Zeke. I thought he had a fantastic match, and you know, Matt again, you you touched about or you touched on Tuchel trying to find the best combination or best place to put him, and I think we found it at the end of the match. Zeke and Pulisic have a great chemistry, and it's not just this game where we've seen it. When those two play together, there's usually some magic to be found, and. You know, playing them both on the right, although you know Pulisic isn't naturally a right wing back. You know, we play so far advanced in the attack that I think you honestly could put Pulisic at that right wing back, move Reese to the left temporarily while Chills is out for you know month, six weeks, whatever it happens to be. And I, I think you're going to find some magic there. You're basically adding another attacker, and you're adding on the right side two guys who link up very well together. Couldn't agree more with the on the Pulisic stuff. Uh, I think him and Ziyech definitely have a, a built-in chemistry together, and uh, we're going to have to get a little bit creative with the Chills injury. Um, I, I think we all watched the match and don't think Alonso is the, the long-term sort of uh, best eleven for us. So I think I think Reese James going over there. Um, I think we'll try out a couple of things in these next couple of December matches to see what really fits. Uh, but I, I could definitely see us going to Pulisic as our right wing back. Uh, I think he did a little bit of that with Dortmund and then um, Evan Ziyech link up with him there uh, or Mace, uh, whoever it is, but um, could definitely see that going forward. So what, what do you guys do with the left wing back situation? Because Parker, as you mentioned, no one trusts Marcus Alonso. I don't even think Tuchel trusts Mar Marcus Alonso. He, he's not good in defense. He's, he's, he's okay in attack, but not really good for much else. Where, you know, what do you guys do? Do you put Dave out there? Do you move a winger back there? Matt, what do you think? You have to keep Alonso out there. Um, and, and we, so the reason why I say that is because we touched on this a little bit earlier with the run of fixtures that we have coming up in December. And then as we look towards January, February, if chills is not back yet, if it's, you know, if it's a full-blown ACL or something like that, you know, he's done for the season. You have to keep him out there because you can't run Dave and Reese the entire time during that stretch. Um, I think, I think it's tough. It's tough to an extent to ask Cho to play a left wing back considering the success that he's had up top. It's, it's a very tough ask. Um, you know, right now that that's his spot and somebody has to take it from him. And right now I don't think anybody is capable of doing that right now based on the, the form of the team. Um, so I think that's a very tough ask. Can he do it? Yeah, I have no problem with him doing that. I mean, he was tracking back in the 90th minute. Um, so he, he can definitely do it. Um, I, I think that you have to start Alonzo. 
then, you know, the question becomes, you know, we, we talked about this. Do you bring back Emerson? Do you go find somebody in January on a loan? Um, you know, it, it's, it's definitely up for, up for debate. Um, I just don't know what you're going to be able to find for a, for a, a left back better than Alonzo that you're willing that a team is willing to part with for the number one premier league team in the league for six months who's going to be able to fit that role i think that is a very tough ask you and it could come down to yeah maybe you get rid of alonzo you bring back emerson you get somebody kind of a, a long term but i mean there, there are so many options I think with what you have now, you have Alonzo who knows the system, knows what's for the most part expected of him. It's not on the defensive side, um, but you at least have somebody who knows the system. If you bring back Emerson, you have to get him involved in the system and that's going to take probably a month, maybe two months. And at that point, it might not even be worth it. So I think you just kind of have to make do with what you have. Uh, gun to my head for one match. If we would have to play it tomorrow, I think. I think you have to have you know Reese James or or Dave step in at the left. Uh, it, it's probably Dave. He's done it in his career, and he probably just doesn't advance as far forward as Alonzo or, or Reese James would in a typical um, sort of formation. I. I I hear you, Matt, and I think like long term, I think you're you're right. Uh, I just I, I struggle with Alonzo being as part of like my best eleven today. Um, that's where I just I just disagree, and I just he doesn't do enough for me. Uh, I which is weird because when we started this podcast and we started watching this team this year, uh, he was one of our best players, and he was very creative. So then um, sort of this remarkable fall from grace from Marcus Alonzo. Uh, he did have a positive moment. He headed a ball on to Hudson Adoy early on, which led to one of the best chances in the match. So I'll give him that. But um, just uh, I don't think he does enough for us. So Reese James has to be out there. And I, I think you probably just go with experience with, with Azpilicueta. So, uh, so one, one quick thing. We were saying the same thing about chills when we started this pod. And then, and then we right. saw we saw the run of form that he went on. So it, it, it could happen again. You know, it's it's one of those things, you know, Alonzo hasn't played in who knows how long. Um, it could just be him getting back into the flow of things and granted to ask him to come back in against Maine United as his first full game or 70 minutes. It's not an easy ask. Um, so I, so from my standpoint, I give him the benefit of the doubt. He is going up against Jaden Sancho, who is very quick, very creative. Um, so I, I will give him that. But as as a long term, like if he's going to be your your starting left left wing back, I say you go out and get somebody else. I think until the January window hits with the games that we have, because Reese is going to need a break. So you're probably going to want Dave in that 
right wing back spot, just as a, as a simple one-to-one switch. I mean, we don't really have a natural third left back, left wing back. You know, do you put somebody like, like a Kova back there when he's healthy and then he doesn't track as far forward and then you have your midfield track a little bit further up. So he, so you're kind of basically running three midfield kind of four at the back and like, did you do something like that? But I mean, there, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of options with how dynamic that our players are. So just a, a thought on that. Yeah. I think you guys are both right. You look at the schedule in December. Yeah. You can certainly alternate games in terms of hiding Alonzo, you know, you can play him this Wednesday, tomorrow uh, against Watford, uh, play him against Zenit the following week, play him against Leeds, and then play him against Brentford in the, in the Carabao Cup. And then, you know, the rest of the matches, you got hudson Adoy, you got Pulisic can play a little bit back there. But here's one thinking outside the box. Striker Rudy, let him make his runs all day. Zoom tight. Thank you. I actually don't. I don't. I don't hate that play. You know, I'm trying to think on the fly of of what winger could play out there. But I mean, from a defensive standpoint, we trust Rudy on the left side, and going forward, we kind of trust him going forward. So, yeah, if if we've got three center defenders, because we we are deeper at central defense than we are at wing back. Uh, I, I don't hate that pivot. That's a, it is a thought that I hadn't well played. Yeah. I, I, I thoroughly like the idea. Um, granted, he's not going to be the one crossing the ball into the box. We've seen that it's usually not a strong point from him. He has done it. He has done it before, but not necessarily a strong point in his game. Um, but if you're talking about somebody who can stop people from bombing down that side, uh, yeah, there's nobody on this team better than him. Um, so I think that he would be able to hold to hold the attacking the attacking prowess of the opposition at bay. So I, I personally like that idea. Um, you know, if you're gonna mix you know, Alonzo, Rudiger, if you're going to have them kind of run whatever they need to. Um, yeah, I, I think that it makes sense. Um, the only problem is then you need a center back that's going to be able to cover Alonzo when he's playing because you're not going to have him both starting and then, you know, Rudy goes to left while Alonzo's out, something like that. So, you know, do you move Trev over to that left side then? Or do you have Sar play that position? Does Christensen move over to the left? Um, it, it's th- there's a lot of interesting questions behind that, um, and a lot of options, and not sure which one's going to make the most sense. Yeah, and uh, boys, I had one more point on my list here today, and I was hoping we wouldn't get to it, but we got a little extra time. So, Matt, I'm ready to eat shit here. Uh, well, I'm going to let you go off on Jorginho because I know you want to. So I, I have two things. First of all, 
why is he our last defender on a corner? Especially when you have Rashford and you have Jaden Sancho able to spring whenever they want and they can blow past Jorginho probably in a jog. That's point number one. Point number two, if it's a ball that high in the air, and if Jorginho is arguably the best midfielder in the world, although he did take third in the ball and door. Belong to bronze. He's lucky he even got that far. If Jorginho is the player that everybody makes him out to be, and he is as smart as he should be, head the ball away. Don't try and pull some acrobatic, like, yeah, I'm going to pull away and then try and catch it with my toe and then all of a sudden whatever. That's just dumb. Like, it, it's just dumb. Simple. If you're not sure about it, clear the ball. He could have booted that thing out of bounds and everybody would have been fine. That's just a simple play. Now, I'm going to do something unprecedented. I will come to his defense. He very rarely makes mistakes. And I personally blame Graham Lasseau because I heard it and I, I looked at the time. It was in the 22nd minute. He was talking about Jorginho. He was saying he is clinical. He's very intelligent. He very, very rarely makes mistakes. I knew the outcome of what happened and I had seen the highlights. And as soon as I heard that, I'm like, okay, yep. Commentator curse. It happened. I don't think that he had. So it, so even if we take out that, that whole thing, if we take that out aside, I was not happy with his performance at all. I, I don't think he did. He did a great job. Um, I feel like he let, a lot of things go like we saw the there was one with McTominay, like Georgina was trying to like kind of shepherd it out of bounds, and then he just dove and he looked at the ref for a decision. And Anthony Taylor's like, no, get up. And then he he tried to chess McTominay, which let's be honest, he's not gonna win that battle. Like, no, everybody knows what you're gonna do. And I've said it on I don't know how many pods. When he's in trouble, he's gonna go over. He just will, and it's not hard to figure out. I, I, I think that he gave away some things in possession, um, some real simple passes. I, I don't think he was as crisp as he normally was. Um, I didn't see him kind of attacking in the way that we, we've seen him, kind of playing a lot of those over-the-top balls or those through balls. It seemed a lot more side to side trying to move the defense around which I get that's that's kind of his role but uh, I just didn't see a lot of crispness or sharpness in in what he was doing um in in the United match so yeah he got the penalty which fine that's the only way he scores goals we all know that um I don't think that makes up for his performance on the day I really don't I expect more from him Parker, you made a made a good point when we were chatting earlier. Uh, you know, Angola Conte has certainly fallen in 
uh, I forgot what match you'd mentioned that was in, but fallen and given up a similar situation, one-on-one goal. We saw it with Steven Gerrard against Demba Ba that cost Liverpool the title. I, I think this happens to, to the best of them. And, you know, regardless of what you think of the Ballon d'Or, you know, he's still rated by at least France as the third best player in Europe. Uh, and I, I think he's one of the top midfielders in the league. And I, I think what you said to begin with was spot on is that he shouldn't have been back there to begin with. Tactically, it shouldn't be three center backs pushing up uh, as far as they were. They, then if you're going to have somebody back, it should be somebody other than Jorginho. Well, it's something that how do you how do you line up on a corner? Because Silva, Rudiger, and Chalaba have all scored goals in those situations. I I think set pieces have been one of the positive notes for Chelsea uh, in this year. And I think we've scored more, more goals from corners than I I can remember as a fan. And Silva and Rudiger for sure are that. And so maybe you can make the argument that Trev should be back with them because I don't think he's scored on a header like that. But um, I don't I don't know who else you put back as your as your last man. I mean, for me, in in a situation like a corner, I would and if that's who you have on the field, who do I trust least in a corner situation? to be able to go up and do things. I'm dropping Cho back. I'm dropping back somebody who is familiar with a, a somewhat defensive role as a right wing back and somebody who has pace to keep up with that onslaught that, that they have with Sancho and Rashford. Like I need somebody back who can hang with them. Normally that would be in Golo Conte. But in this situation, I think you you need somebody you, you need somebody with pace back there. I think that was that was a mistake. Um, but the the other thing that so the one thing that really pissed me off, Jorginho just stopped. If you look, he just stopped. As soon as that ball was passed, he just stopped. Where you have three other people trying to haul ass, get back, he just stopped. That told me everything that I need to know. Yes, you made a mistake. I get it. But guess what? If you're going to be wearing that armband as a captain, your ass better be hauling to get back. Doesn't matter if you make it there or not. You better be on your horse, ready to go. Just give everything you have. Doesn't matter. Even if it's for, even if, if, if everything's for not, you better get going. And he just stood there. Yeah. Can't disagree with that point, Matt. Uh, it's hard at that point. So if, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to see when, when someone doesn't do that. So can't. Can't defend him. Wasn't going to defend him either way. Um, you know, he, he made a mistake and he'll live with it. Um, what's tough to see is he's made a couple of mistakes recently. One happened to be for Italy uh, with a missed pen. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's a, been a bit of a tough run for him. His touch let him down. It happens. But uh, I, I think I think he'll be all right going forward. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I wish I wish 
you're right, Matt. I wish you would have given it a bit more. Uh, the, it seemed like we all kind of froze for that you know, second and a half, two seconds. Uh, one thing I'll talk about the goal quick. Um, I thought Mendy got some unnecessary flack on the goal. I thought he did a decent job trying to bait it and, and still get over. And he, he just kind of barely missed, uh, missed the save, which would have been a pretty heroic save in the situation where you're two on one. So uh, I thought that was a little bit unnecessary, but um, yeah, a tough one, tough one to stomach. Yep. And I told myself I would stay out of the conversation this week. Don't need this going a half hour, but Matt, I agree with you. He should have, he should have chased back. Um, good stuff. But like I said, uh, you know, happens to, to the best of the best. Well, the, we are pushing up against the hour here. And, you know, with this being the closest that we have to a Thanksgiving episode, I real quick just want to go around the horn. You know, if you got anything you're, you're thankful for in relation to Chelsea, the pod, you know, anything you got, you know, figure we'll, we'll, we'll do something nice there. So, Parker, you got anything? Sure. Uh, thankful we're top of the league. Uh, but but really, like, uh, I'm just thankful that we, we have the ability to get together on a weekly basis and, uh, and chat and hang out, man. So uh, it's been real fun. I, uh, I encourage anyone that's out there that's thinking about starting a podcast uh, to like the seven listeners that we may have on a, on a weekly basis. Just go do it, man. It's, it's fun. It, it gives you an excuse to, to chat with, with your boys and, and it's good time. So uh you know we've talked about it before but we we talk more now than we ever have and uh you know as a as a 31 year old living in the real world it's it's a fun little escape so uh thank thankful for the pod that it exists and that that, that someone out there is listening to it so uh that's all i got yeah i'm 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 the same way um you know i'm i'm thankful that you know we're able to do this and collins this was you know, your brainchild, it's basically bringing our, our weekly group texts to life. Um, you know, it, it's, it's been a great chance to, to kind of reconnect on, on a level where, um, where we used to when, when we were all in college, you know, we were, you know, a five, 10 minute walk away and we could just go and just kind of shoot the shit for hours on end. So this is, a this has definitely been, um, been a nice blessing for us. Um, and you know, I, I'm, I'm excited every single, every single week that we do this. Um, you know, I make sure that I clear my schedule for this, like nothing else gets in the way of this. <laughs> so th this is definitely something, you know, um, obviously with all of us being so close, um, you know, definitely thankful for, you know, friends, all of our families, you know, Collins, your family, Parker, your family, um, wives, um, everything like that, their families, like, and kids, very thankful for that and just happy to be, uh, happy to be a part of it. Yeah, you, you guys uh, said exactly what I was, was going to say. Thank, thankful first and foremost for, for you guys. Uh, yeah, this was kind of a, something that had been on my mind for a while doing the, uh, doing a podcast and you guys were ready to just jump right in so i appreciate that um and second of all to uh to all the listeners that we have you know we are now listened to on six different continents which is astounding uh we are the number 68 podcast in, in greece for soccer which is amazing so yeah i'm thankful that, that people are willing to listen to our bullshit
<laughs> Surprised and thankful, right? And hey, trust me, there's a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, just wait, wait till we release uh, Flag Stays Down After Dark. Oh, that'll be a good one. Unfiltered and uncensored. <laughs> like a soccer only fans. <laughs> You're done. You're cut off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, boys, it has reached that, that uh, the time of the night. Uh, we have reached the, the hour mark here. Uh, for those of you who are going to be in Milwaukee tomorrow, well, I guess it'll be today when this releases on the 30th for the Chelsea in America uh, event with the Champions League trophy. Uh, you know, if you if you recognize the voice of Matt and I, we'll be there. Feel free to say hi. Uh, you know, we'll, we're excited to grab, grab a picture with the Champions League trophy. Maybe Tori, Andre, Flo, uh, Parker. We'll, we'll we'll send you send you some pics along the way. Yeah, I am quite jealous that I will not be there. So uh, enjoy your time, boys. And uh, you know, like you said, we're, we're definitely thankful for for any listeners that they're out there. Uh, you know, if, if this is your first time listening, feel free to, to subscribe, rate, and review. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, as well as Google Podcasts, basically anywhere else that you get your podcasts. I think we also oh, yeah. have we also have official uh, yes. at Flag Down Pod, yes. Twitter, find- Facebook, Instagram, shit like that. Yes, find us at all those places. So feel free to, to drop us a note at any one of those places. Boys, thanks for another great week, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll beat Watford on Wednesday. Sounds good. Cheers, boys. Cheers.